Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, Raptor fans? It's your host of the wrap-up, Aiden Moss. I am joined by the one and the only brilliant writer and mustachier, Lou Zatzman. What's going on, Lou? Hey, man. I noticed you yourself are rocking a mustache tonight. It looks wonderful. Yeah, I have to say, even though I'm pro like prostate cancer awareness, November is like a bad month for me because I go mustache most times of the year. So then I'm like, yo, way to go, man! Like you're doing your mustache. In it's like, no, I'm doing this, you know, ten months of the year. So, but thank I you. I moved to the suburbs. I had a baby. I just woke up with a mustache one day. This was not a choice. Mm. Yeah, you had a lawnmower on the side of the road <laughs> suddenly. Yeah, I was like, you're- whoa, why is this in my hands? <laughs> Your grass is perfectly green for no reason. That's right. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sorry that you're in the suburbs, but I'm glad you have a baby. So, <laughs> Great game today. Uh, if you like the number going up in the wins column, not so great game. If you like basketball aesthetic, um, this was kind of a swampy game. There was a lot of up and down, which which one can always love in a basketball game, right? The the Bulls are up. The Raptors are up. There was. It looked like we were losing control of this. Goran Dragic was like having a flamethrower game, uh, and then we slowly kind of grinded it back and took over the game. So it was eventful, but it wasn't pretty. Lou, what kind of thoughts did you have watching this one? Yeah, you know what this looked like. This was a twenty twenty one twenty two Raptors game. They shot terribly from the floor. They shot awful from deep. They were sloppy. They didn't defensive rebound, but they took 15 more shots than their opponent, and they won the game. This was what it looked like last year. Yeah, that they dominated the offensive board late. The rebounding, especially defensive rebounding, was a problem uh, early in the game. And then let's see, offensive rebounds, there's 15 for Chicago, and Toronto had 23. So yeah, eight extra offensive rebounds. And when they counted, too, it was like towards the end of the game, it was that... Uh, you know when when there's a stagecoach and then suddenly there's these like four guys in black leather trench coats riding alongside on their horses. That's kind of what this was. It was like suddenly there's like these four raptor uh, uh, cowboys in the paint just kind of robbing robbing the basketball from the bulls, and and that's what we needed, right? Like we needed to kind of yeah. go old school, so to speak, to grind this out. We weren't sure what kind of Freddie we were gonna get. Um, Scotty was struggling in isolation early so was og precious had a really tough one gary had a tough one like i was saying early to my brother that <clears throat> making up for pascal's absence was or the answer seemed to be like oh i'm gonna do more isolation and as like pascal's one of the highest rates of iso in the league like we're gonna start doing that now we're gonna spread that out and that just didn't work at all 
Um, and so you kind of saw the transition in the style of the game. It's like, okay, fine. That's not going to work. We're going to have to muck this up a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, and it worked. I mean, it helps if the game is super sloppy and if skill isn't really the determining factor, (laughs) how helpful is it to just have the biggest, strongest team? Like if it turns into a mud fight, sure helps to have OG and an OB on your team. Mm Mm-hmm. Same with Boucher, and yep. you know, and I, a, a small win for Thaddeus Young. I got I got outed here early, a couple of games ago on Thad being kind of a bust early. He even had a couple of good possessions early on too. He was one of the first guys, kind of like keeping the ball alive, being at the right place at the right time. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, especially against the Bulls, who have like they have a spunky backcourt. They have a lot of smaller guys who kind of grind, but up front they're fairly soft. Like P- Patrick Williams is still not really kind of the OG um, emulation you want yet, and so yeah. they don't really have anybody that can handle our big, strong bodies. And goddamn, does OG look big and strong, man? Like Patrick Williams, really good player might be Patrick Patterson. Like, I I love the guy. I also love Patrick Patterson. But he's just not going to wrestle with Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi. I'm 100%, you know, on your side. Vucevic, you know, great center, scored really well, was completely unable to force Van Vliet to shoot in the pick and roll. Hmm. They just, strength is not this team's strength. (laughs) No, not at all. And um, yeah, the the Patrick Williams thing, like there was, I wrote in my notes a couple of times, Scotty just like overwhelmed him with his strength on the offensive end. And that was quite surprising to me. I really thought early on, Patrick Williams had a couple of good defensive possessions. I forget who he guarded straight up and he just completely, it might've been OG, he just completely locked him down. But but otherwise, Scotty was just like his his density in all of his limbs and everything else. Like he just kind of just scooted past Patrick Williams, and that's surprising because I thought Patrick Williams is this like ultra power forward, you know. Um, and yeah. so it speaks to Scotty's strength. It also helps. All of this helps when you have uh, Dikembe Mutombo 2.0 uh, anchoring this defense. Christian Coloco ended up with. The five block no six blocks yeah. um by far his best game of the year 11.7 rebounds uh and this isn't this isn't brand new observations like Coloco's a rookie he's he has defensive lapses he looks out of place at times but the fact that he can clean up so much in and around the rim and you know Alvin Williams noted that one block where he retreated from a double on DeMar came all the way down from the three-point line on the strong side to block the dunk on the weak side. Like, yep. that's stuff we've just never had before, and it makes the tenacity of our defense all the more effective. Yeah, Coloco was just awesome. He has weaknesses on the defensive end. When he has to guard a super athletic center, you know, uh, Time Lord or, you know, someone with mad bounce, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, combined with a really athletic guard like a John Morant and he's to backpedal out of that pick and roll. He often doesn't choose his timing really well. He doesn't take great angles. Uh, His athleticism looks out of place in those moments Mm. when he's guarding just skill and the game simplifies and it's just contest at the rim. 
oh man, he can annihilate stuff. He just, he was unbelievable around the rim. We also saw, I think um, Ryan mentioned a moment ago here in the chat, uh, he was really good passing. He, he threw a great little uh, um, pass from above the break to under the rim. Uh, it was the first option in the play. It was what he was supposed to be looking at. Yeah. It's not like yeah. he was creative yeah. or anything. But it, it still, he hit the he hit OG for a dunk. Uh, you know, he, he finished a lot out of the pick and roll and lobs. He had a really nice finish where he had to catch way behind him and then bring it up and finger roll into the into the rim. His finishing to me really determines his ceiling. His pick and roll defense is the floor, right? Because we know what he can give. If he can also clog up that pick and roll, defend two guys for an instant until he gets the help. Then he's going to be, you know, great floor player. The, the finishing, if he can just catch around the rim, if he can dunk over guys, if he can be strong, then he is going to be unbelievable. And this was the best game of his career. Just, just so impressive. Yeah. I, I do think the finishing will come the, there. There were a couple of gimmies he just missed, which the, he was not alone in, in that. We missed a lot of easy ones in this game. Um, but it's not like we're watching, you know, I don't want to have to... Well, even Precious last year to some degree, right? Like, he's going up with some measure of control. There were a couple that were just like, oh, God. But but I don't have that feeling all the time. It's not like I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, did you have to give it yeah. to him? There's some some level of confidence that he's going to uh, finish either with like a good dunk or at least he has like a soft little touch. So I think I think that is going to develop over time, especially like from where some where he was in summer league to now. There's already been a significant jump. So I don't see. Or I'm confident that that's gonna, you know, he's gonna continue to progress. He ju- he does have a soft touch. He just relies on it too much. You know, you're mm-hmm. seven foot one. Dunk through people. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, who else do you want to talk about? I Freddie. Fred? Yeah. Oh, Fred, man. Okay, I'm I'm mad at Freddie because I didn't think he was really gonna play. <laughs> This amount and all my prop bets did not include oh, Freddie, yeah. other, <laughs> other, other than his assists over. I did not foresee him having third, also no steals. Thanks, Freddie. But I did not foresee him having one of these hero Freddie games. Although, you know, like if he had been healthy, this is a no brainer Freddie moment. And this is so I am such a proponent of Freddie off ball, and I'm yeah. such a proponent of reduced Freddie usage. But these are the moments why you pay somebody like Freddie the money you do is that like when you need him in the when you need him when when things aren't going well or when you need him when the game is on the line more often than not he is stepping up and he is taking control. I think he tries to do it too much in the wrong moments and this year he's that's been reduced and it's nice to see. But it's also really nice to see that when we lose a superstar like Pascal, we have a guy like Freddie who can step into his place. You mad at him. You had me. <laughs> I was a well, it cost me money, goddammit. You know, like, you're going to be a little mad. This is us. Oh, gambling can't take over the media space to that extent. No, man, Freddie was what, – what I really loved about him is you're not the only one who wants him off ball, right? It's a pretty common refrain. You even hear Nick talking about it and, and Freddie himself talking about, you know, his playoff ball. 
Um, but what he did that was so impressive to me is he started the game letting Scotty run the run the offense. He said, yeah. look, you know, you've been the point guard for a couple nights. You've been really impressive as the point guard. Let's see what you can do. And by and large, it was nothing. They had no paint yeah. touches on the first, like, seven or eight possessions. Uh, Scotty spent, you know, 12 dribbles just for a turnaround from the mid-ranger, uh, which he missed. He, he really was not creating for, for everyone. And Fred said, all right, I can go get the ball. I can see what I can do. And he ran pick and rolls. I mean, that pass is a really good example. And, and when Fred succeeded on ball, that's when he was able to get much more deadly off ball, right? The, the game, nothing is ever static. And creating, um, you know, planting your flag in the soil in one place allows you to plant it elsewhere. And I thought the same thing was true for Scotty. When he got himself succeeding off ball, you know, in the post, he got Caruso a couple times. That's when he was catching and going and getting that north-south contact to really create those push shots. That's when he was able to succeed on ball. And, and he had one of my favorite uh, plays of his entire career this game. Who, Scotty? Scotty? Yeah, yeah, which only happened because he was intermittently on ball. It was the end of the, the first half. He uh, had the ball. Uh, someone was setting the screen for him. He waved him away and called up Boucher, right? Pick and popper. So he drove left and he was he jumped to pass to Boucher. And then he had two guys jump the passing lane, pass fake, knowing that they were going to jump Boucher, which is why he called him up. And then skipped the pass, threw to Fred on the weak side for three to end the half. That was such brilliant basketball like knowledge. Because that play was created as he called up Boucher for the pick and roll. But that doesn't work if you're running 30 pick and rolls a game, right? That doesn't work if Fred is just a shooting guard and Scotty is the point guard. It works as they trade, as they work with each other, as they find each other, as they did on that play, as they did when Fred was on ball and Scotty was cutting. Uh, to end the game, Fred had the same thing, right? The jump pass fake, Scotty in the middle for the dunk. Uh, their, their collective point guard duties was where Toronto really succeeded in the half court. Uh, I really went on a rant there, but I agree no, with you a little. Um, but by and large, they were just they were awesome together, and neither of them controlled the ball too much. Yeah, that uh, that Scotty pass, like to me, it looked like a a micro second. Um, uh, uh, what's it called? Like decision, essentially, right? Like, yeah. like he he read as it was he read it as it was happening before it was happening yeah. and found the the right pass. Like, that's the kind of stuff where you see you see why Scotty should be the playmaker and and the point guard. To your point, sometimes, um, yeah. and yeah, and I that's the thing. It's not it's not that like Freddie must be off ball. It's more that. Freddie must be more interchangeable. And there was a lot of the time last year, especially where he'd come, like, give me the ball, give me the ball. And Scotty did it a couple of times this game too. I think one time OG's like, what the hell, dude? Like, just like, let me take the ball up. Are you coming towards me? So, yeah. And I, I think that's what's kind of interesting with all of this. You saw that in this game is like, there's this push and pull that that nurse is allowing these guys to kind of flourish in, in the roles that they've been designated but then also it not working at all and then having to kind of like 
like rejig that on the fly. And and I think we saw that a lot in the first and second quarter. Again, there was a lot of isolation. There was a lot of letting guys do what they wanted to do. And then you started to see, I, I mentioned to my brother, I'm like, I would like to see a little bit more motion. And then I'm pretty sure they ran that, uh, that play for Freddie where he, where Coloco hit him, you know? And it's like yeah. little things like that where I, I feel like this team, and then also in the second half, they started to, I, I just feel like this team doesn't accentuate our strengths all the time. Like second half post all the time, Scotty in the post bang, hit someone for a three. Uh, OG was in the post bang, hit someone for a three. Like, those are the advantages that I want to like kind of exploit. And I feel like sometimes we focus too much on getting Scotty the ball because he's the the playmaker as opposed to just leveraging um, the advantages we have. I also just went on a rant, but you know what I mean? No, no, a hundred. I, I could not agree more. A lot of that is on, is on coaching. Um, Samson said this in a podcast with me last year. I loved it so much. Last year, they were like, Pascal Siakam, you need to carry the team. And Pascal's like, well, what can you give me? They were like, the ball. Nothing more, right? We won't run yeah. new sets. We yeah. run, you can have the ball, and that's all. And, and very often, and Pascal can be great like that. Very often, no one else can, right? As good as Scotty is, if you just run him 20 isolations a game, he's not going to be wonderful. No. And I thought the difference from the first quarter to everyone, every other quarter in that game was the coaching got way more creative, right? right? Fred went from running high pick and rolls with Coloco to running wide pin downs off of stagger screens, you know, catch and fire as he chopped those steps running into the catch. They had, uh, they had inverted horns with Fred at the elbow setting a back screen. They had some Spain pick and roll with Scotty handling and Gary setting that back screen. Like they went from everyone isolates to I'm going to get deep in my playbook and pull out some tricks. Like the coaching tonight, I was very impressed by. And I actually like maybe too much. Like this isn't the playoffs. Like cool it, man. We don't need all this stuff in a regular season game. Sunday, like 6 p.m. Come on now. Yeah. But at the same time, I think like the vacuum that Pascal leaves kind of forces the issue on that. And I don't even, I don't think it necessarily, like it was some of the play calling, but it also just felt much more purposeful than it has in the past. Like, yeah. I think what Pascal's become uh, means that things are just going to, like the read and react kind of stuff is going to naturally evolve out of that. Like he's just such a, you know, gravitational force. But yeah. without him and with Scotty or Gary not really cooking, they they did make a point of being more purposeful with how they were going to exploit certain matchups. And that was refreshing because I feel like that is something that has been an ongoing frustration for me with this coaching staff is that they just don't, they choose not to um, be as calculated or they don't, they don't go away from their game plan offensively as much as I would like. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, OG. Let's do it. Yo. Uh, Oh my God. Ananobi is phenomenal like so he, the defense was crazy the offense that put back what did you see well i was just gonna read his stat line so he was second or th- well first on plus minus was freddie second was thaddeus young but <laughs> right beside there was ogs plus 24 22 points 
six boards, three rebounds, three steals, and a block, which is like low for him um, yeah. at this point. Yeah. Two, two for five for three. He had a couple of gimmies again that should have dropped. Um, and yeah, I, dude, I am absolutely in love with OG. I like. I there's just there. I've been waiting for it. And it's kind of here, like he's finally grown into his body. He's using his strength and explosiveness in a like, in an, an intelligent and like sharp way. He's, you know, when he gambled a couple of times tonight and, and it didn't pay off, whatever. This this defensive scheme was like something else. Um, yeah. Having Demar doubled all the time, but the, in the last three or four games, like you are seeing all of those like physical tools come together. Um, and he's a great intellectual defender at the same time, and it is absolutely wonderful to watch. Yeah, that post up. Okay, this play I actually wanted to bring up. Uh, what a um, metaphorical play to describe the shift from the Raptors' last era to this era. It was so perfect, right? DeMar DeRozan guarding OG Ananobi in the post. <laughs> Skill to brawn, right? OG just bulldozes him and then hits the little push shot. That was, to me, that play was a, um, an era definer in some ways. And one thing that really stood out to me, we talked a lot about, uh, you know, Fred and Scotty uh, interchanging the point guard roles. You know, who didn't get to run point guard really at all was OG. Hmm. We thought, or at least I thought we didn't really talk about it. You and I, but I thought that he would have a lot more ability to create with Pascal injured. Maybe he will in upcoming games, but I saw like one or two pick and rolls. He ran, uh, he missed one from the mid range, got his own rebound for the dunk. But by and large, he was just filling in his second side driver, hit his jumpers, ran in transition. He had the same role that he has had for a long time, but he is, and this is a cliche, but he is absolutely the be the star in your role type of guy. Mm-hmm. He was dominant with no plays run for him. Yeah, this was this is one of his lesser aggressive games. I think like I didn't get to talk about um, the Dallas game, but what I noted in that game and the previous one uh, with the Spurs is that he is his aggression like uh, rate is way higher. He is grabbing the ball and he is going and. And last year, and he's making the best of his opportunity, which is kind of to your point of like, you know, I am going, when I get the ball, I am not going to F around here. I am just going to be much more pointed with what I'm doing. And, and I think that's his best. There's a play I'm going to write about uh, with the Dallas game where he caught and ripped like on the move. And those yeah. are the kinds of plays that OG is best at. The same with, with uh, some of the plays tonight where he's kind of like, he's been much more decisive much more uh, direct on what he's doing and a little bit more balanced than he has been. He's still struggling a little bit, but th- but he's definitely making strides. And um, I think I think a lot of things have to go right for this team to be where they want it to be. But I, OG truly is like the linchpin of this team, I think. Like if he hits his ceiling as of this season uh well i don't even know what do you think his season could be or his ceiling could be oh his his ceiling is almost incomparable right like if everything clicks because he's an elite finisher and he's an elite shooter kind of are we sure he's an elite finisher 
Statistically, statistically, he is the most efficient play finisher on the Raptors, right? A, a, a play that ends up with Ananobi shooting statistically is the is the best th- option you can have um, for the Raptors, um, wh- wherever he's going to shoot it from. And so, with that as a foundation and the defense, when you start thinking ceiling, it's like, oh, well, if he can create for himself. And the thing that's crazy about that is he hits the paint every time. He had a really nice drive where he hit the paint and threw that little dump off pass to Coloco for a dunk. He's been doing that a lot, a lot this season. If he is able to drive and transition into his own shot, right? He doesn't get thin really ever. He just like strides through guys. He's not able to like have that energy transfer from dribble into a gather like sideways. Mm-hmm. He, he, there are some things missing, but he hits the paint which is the hardest part. That's what no one can do when they drive, right? That's the most important thing. And so all you need to do is just turn those paint touches into natural shots. That shouldn't be hard. And if that's what we're talking about, the ceiling is like a a star, like a top 20, 30 guy in the league. It's crazy. Like Jalen Brown, maybe something like that. Yeah. Uh, It is really, really wild to think about. And, And championship teams always have overqualified players yep. in that, you know, uh, 14, 15 shot a game role, second side drivers, spot up shooters, uh, you know, pin down runners, norm for the, the championship Raptors. OG looks like he can be that guy today without any improvement. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is there's like three or four guys that look like they could be that guy by the end of the year. Which is why I'm I'm high on the upside of this team, but they're I'm, yeah we're gonna, getting ahead of ourselves. But um, I had a thought about OG. Um, shit, it's gone. But yeah, he I I just think that he's still like he's 25. I just I can't imagine what he's gonna be in three years. Oh, I know what I was gonna say. So one of the things you're right, like he's getting into the paint, which I love. And again, like much more efficiently than he was last year even. But like you said, he's not, he's losing his explosiveness or he's not able to leverage his explosiveness when he gets there. And a lot of that has to do with his balance or like you were saying, transitioning from the dribble into a shot. Um, It's coming. And the more like I, I, there are signs that it is evolving and that's all you can really hold on to. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. That explosion, you saw it on that, uh, on that putback dunk, you know, in the yeah. end of the game, when he is able to have that clean energy transfer, just stride one, two jump, man, he is one of the most athletic guys in the NBA. And that's, yeah. that's crazy. That's saying something. He yeah. is so strong when he can get that jump off. Well, and if he can, it's kind of like a Zion. Like if he can get the the shoulder in in a legal way, because for whatever reason, referees seem to be hunting us with our physicality. Yeah. But if he can get that initial bump and then and then gather an up, like there are a few guys that have that both that strength, stature, and like verticality that OG yeah. has. Yeah. Who boy, love <laughs> love OG. Um. Okay. Who else we got? Anybody else you want to touch on? Disappointments? I mean... Do we not want to avoid negativity? I, I thought Gary... Gary didn't play a great game, but his his game was much more just like missing shots than actually making poor choices. 
and I have nothing wrong. Guys miss shots. That's totally fine. You know, you can play a great game and, and have poor numbers at the end. You just, you know, don't always hit jumpers, and that's normal. Um, Precious uh, really isn't right now what we all expected uh, on offense, but I was really impressed with his defense. Um, and one thing, tr- Trace124, uh, actually, uh, I want to talk about Otto. He's been awesome, quiet, since he came into the, came into the rotation. But I've been really impressed with his ability to fit in um, and look like he's been here for years. Yeah, I was surprised at his fitness. Um, he yeah. looks like he looks, you know, bouncy a little. Well, for whatever auto porter, he doesn't look slow. Um, and yeah. yeah, he's doing exactly what he was signed to do. He's hitting his shots. He's a great swing passer. Like there's yeah. zero hesitation on yeah. his passing. He's making the right rotations on defense. Um, he's getting his hands in there. He's getting a couple of rebounds. Like it's nice to have a guy that it's kind of like what I thought Utah could be. It's like a guy that you, you know, when you put them out there, you know what you're going to get. It's safe. It's okay. Like, yeah, the whole team could sink with hit with that kind of player on, on the floor. But if you're just looking for some kind of stability, um, he's going to give that to you. And, and, you know, the, the same can't really be said for, like, Precious, who's our seventh guy right now. Um, and I think another reason why Thad was out there, too, is just, like, another guy that kind of gives a little bit of stability um, and consistency. Yeah, uh, that's a good point from Ryan. Uh, the scramble defense, like, there were a couple shooters that were – Io Desunmo had a couple open shots that I thought Porter was, like, a moment slow. But part of that is also the Raptors do let some guys shoot. And so part of it is maybe he, he's not up to up to perfect speed on the scramble. Uh, and some of it's just, you know, you let a couple guys shoot from three. But on Porter, you know, how often is the shooter that you sign going to have an 0-for-1 game from deep? You know, no real frequency or efficiency. You didn't hit one. And yet was a really solid rotation player that they asked to close the game. That means that he is a good player, not just a good shooter. Yeah. And fine rebounder, like he's just, like I said, he's just gonna he, he's gonna get he's enables you to, um, I mean, you can just rely on him essentially, right? Without it being like it's it's not like the thing is is you could put Precious out there who's a much better defender and a much better rebounder, but the but the 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 vulnerability of that is what the hell is he gonna do on the offensive end, um, and you know that's a that's a monster of our own creation that we want precious to be adventurous and aggressive, but sometimes it gets us in a lot of trouble like tonight. And so where with auto, you know, all of the right decisions are going to be made. Um, yeah. And yeah. that's refreshing. We don't, we've not really had guys like that. And I, I will also say with the Gary benching, so to speak, like he didn't play the latter part of the fourth or much of the fourth quarter, if at all, I want to say, yeah. um, let's just see. Uh, Gary played a minute 46. So he didn't play much of the fourth quarter, which is atypical. He's he's so, usually been our, our secondary scorer the last couple of games. Um, also refreshing to see the coaching staff not stand pat with what what they like always do. And I feel like even though Nick Nurse is known for being versatile and experimental, I find he's kind of stubborn with rotations. And he yep. doesn't, he always kind of like sticks. There's a couple of guys who you know may or may not play, but the core is always the core. And and sitting Gary, um, because he wasn't what they needed at the time, was like uh, like kudos to Nick Nurse because you don't see that often from him. Yeah, it was win the game coaching. 
And we've seen uh, a couple games already this season where the Raptors have coached to prioritize development, to prioritize the future. We've seen Scotty getting force-fed reps. Um, we've seen a lot of that. And I think tonight we saw a, we are winning the game first and foremost coaching decision. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to see. Um Thad Young, someone asked, uh, was this his best game of of the season? Well, that kind of oh, yeah. goes without saying, I think. He played yeah. the most minutes. Um, and he was, kinda all, he was at the right place at the right time kind of a game for him, which is nice. A couple of flippers yeah. in the in the hoop. Um, that was encouraging. What do you, what, Lou, what do you think, what did this come down to? Like, why were we able to pull this game out? Was it just because Chicago, Chicago kind of went cold from three? No, I mean, uh, I think, well, that was part of it, but they didn't have their best three-point shooter shooting. Um, I think the game got really sloppy. Uh, they had like four transition plays in a row where everyone was missing. And when the game gets sloppy, often it's just the bigger, stronger, more athletic team that wins. That's high school ball, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's exactly what you said when you opened the show. You said this, if you like aesthetic, pretty basketball, this wasn't the game for you. And it's true for all of our positives that we're discussing. This was not like a Golden State Warriors championship game where you just outshot them, you outplayed them, you locked them up, and you just you know had it stamped halfway through the third and then went home. It was not that game. They won grimy, they won dirty, and a, a lot of guys sort of reverted to sort of um, – you know, bad habits in some ways, but that doesn't matter because they are bigger, they are stronger, and they were able to pull it out regardless. Um, crazy stat. So the Bulls are one for seven from three in the fourth quarter. We are three for eleven. Okay, whatever. They had the Bulls had ten total rebounds, one of which was an offensive rebound. We had eleven offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter oh. and nineteen <laughs> yeah, total. Yeah. So, yeah. like, to your point, you know, we, we switched the game to a rugby scrum and we quickly won. And yeah. what what I love about this team more so than last year is the versatility. Like, last year we kind of had to rely on the scrum, period. Um, this year I feel like there are a couple of ways we can win games. We saw, like, against Atlanta and the Spurs and even Dallas, for, for that matter, a different style of winning games or trying to win games. And this, this, like you said, this was 2021 Raptors. Um, and, and yeah, the fourth quarter was old school that way. And that's, I think, um, maybe the most uh, indicative point about Fred Van Fleet. Because we saw when he was hurt and the Raptors were successful in those first two games, I saw a ton of fans calling for, well, this shows that he doesn't fit in with the future of mm-hmm. this team. Because the future or the vision is six foot nine across the board, the defense. But this game, the Raptors went rugby style in the fourth quarter, and they lost the start of the fourth quarter. They were bulldozed for the first two minutes. The Bulls pulled the game really close. And then Fred came in, 10 minutes left in the game, played the rest of the game. He sat for two minutes to start the fourth, nothing. And they immediately closed the door on the game. That style doesn't work unless you have a guy like Fred Van Fleet. You can have all the six foot nine guys you want, right? Five James Johnsons is 
do not win basketball games. They those, need a Fred Van Fleet to run things, and he ran the show tonight. Yeah, those. The, yeah, we can't have five jujitsu players on the court at once. Exactly. Uh, I, it's it's kind of weird because I'm looking at Freddie's stats. He, he's three for ten in the quarter. Two big threes, timely threes, and three assists. But but like to your point, there was just a sense of of Freddie just kind of taking over this game. And yeah. ultimately, you need those kinds of players. Uh, if you're going to win and you need them at all positions, essentially, yep. you know, like if we're going to be serious about winning games, anybody who's suggesting that we trade Fred Van Vliet, unless you're upgrading him to like, I don't know, Kevin Durant, like, Shea. yeah, or Shea. Well, yeah, but what's okay. What's, yeah. Okay. That's a different topic, but, but I'm just saying that like, we're not getting like, yeah, just because we have one game where the six, eight, yeah. like lineup works is like, is foolish to say that like, suddenly we can move on from a guy like Freddie. Exactly. Um, we're going to transition to tweet of the night. Producer Kayon's going to uh, throw it out for us. What you got for us? So uh, for podcasters, we have, is it? This is some random dude posting this, right? Goran Dragic is 0 for 2. Okay, this is a stat. So we got two. There's two images, Goran Dragic in his Bulls jersey and Goran Dragic in his Nets jersey, both of which he's shushing the crowd. He is now officially 0 for 2 when he shushes the Toronto crowd for booing him. So that's a great tweet. Tweet of the night here uh, at the wrap-up. That's great. Goran is such a dingus, man. I love it. Like, we're booing him, whatever. Take it or leave it. But the whistle was blown, and then Goran, like, heaved a shot and missed. And everybody cheered that he missed the meaningless shot after the whistle. Like, I love that pettiness so much. Raptors need a better villain, man. Vince Carter was a villain. He deserved the booze. Who, like, Goran Dragic is a nobody. How do fans even know who he is? Like, the Raptors need a Paul Pierce again, someone who's proper for them to hate. I do, and uh, listeners, throw in the chat if you have any any nominees. I do think, I, I am, I still feel like ire towards Goran for thinking like we're a crud team and then moving to Brooklyn and going nowhere, like, I, I feel insulted by that, but you're right. He's he's washed now. I think honestly, I think our best guy. I don't know if anybody else has someone better. Is Embiid? Like Embiid, yeah. I like Embiid. I like him maybe. But when he plays Toronto, I absolutely hate him. Like he's so yeah. annoying and whiny and ugh. so. For me, it's Embiid, and that's a that's a fun rivalry to build. A yeah. Cameroonian, same age, same conference, same division. Like, that's a good one. And he seems to hate the Toronto crowd. The Toronto crowd definitely hates him. And he's a star. There have been multiple playoff matchups. That's a, that's a really good uh, That's a really good one. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding on to that one. Yeah. Um, Lou, I'll give you the honors of naming the Can-Am Tax Man of the Night. Canamtax.com. Listeners, you can go check it out. They do personal taxes, business taxes. They're friends with Raptors Republic. Give them your support. We like to support small businesses, especially the ones that fork over money to our lovely site. So uh, go check out canamtax.com. Lou, this year, canamtax.com is directly correlative of who was the best player on the floor The in a subjective sense. You don't necessarily have to go with like, stats best player okay. but you can uh, to, to me it was christian coloco 
Oh, it was the first game of his career where he was absolutely dominant. He swallowed up the rim. He had guys actually turning around when they got to the paint and saw him. He was a proper rim rim protector in the sense that he does more deferral than he does protection. Uh, he was phenomenal, and it was by far the best game of his career, uh, his best offensive game as well. I was stunned with his performance. Got to be cool. I'm 1,000% in agreement. It's There's not going to be many opportunities for him to claim this award, so we got to give it to him when we can. The doubling Doncic, I thought, maybe would have suggested we dial it back a little bit, but I guess DeMar is less of a passer, and it's like, no, we actually amped it up twofold and doubled DeMar in like the most absurd spots on the floor. Uh, and that was really only somewhat successful because Coloco was in the background at first blocking people, but then his presence alone was really kind of... You actually saw it. There, there was a point where Thad Young was kind of the, the quasi-five, and yeah. guys were just going straight to the rim. No problem. Yeah. And then Coloco came right in, and they they had to U-turn. They had to go somewhere else. So he really was the reason why we held the Bulls to a grand total of 104 points, um, which is a great defensive effort. So well done, Christian Coloco. Yep. Is that our first rookie to win the award? Maybe. Might be. No, Scotty won one last year when I'm talking about. Okay. Um, okay, we're going to do questions and then we're going to get the hell out of here. So if anybody has some questions, I've uh, starred three, all of them from Phoenix because he always asks so many questions. I love that. And there's no bad question. Phoenix asks, Lewis, I don't know if you saw the play, but Fred split a pick and roll entirely. He called Coloco early for the screen and he ran by two guys like he's Mitchell. He missed, but that's something I noticed. That's not a question. Sorry. Next question. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's Coloco, right? Like, that's not really about Fred because Fred is as capable of splitting a pick and roll as anybody. But because he hasn't had a, a role threat for so long and he hasn't been wonderful at passing to the roller, they just close that gap and ask him to, to spit out to the sides. And so that, that point is as much about Coloco as anyone. Okay, next question. Okay. Uh, Phoenix numero dos. Also for Lou. I guess Phoenix doesn't respect my opinion, whatever. Lou, well, you are a special guest, so we have to take advantage of this while we can. Do you think Fred can be the, not first, but second best player on a championship team? Yeah, so I think uh, the, the tier of, of player caliber on championship teams is quite variable. Um, you know, depending on how the rest of the team is built, the style they play, um, and there's also better and worse championship teams. I think last year's team, Fred is already as good as whomever you might say was the second best player on the Golden State Warriors. Um, by and large, though, I think the most important thing for Fred at this point is how he impacts the game on the drive. Tonight, he was phenomenal at, at controlling the court, spraying to the corners, throwing the lobs, uh, going for the finish a couple times, but those few finishes really opened up the rest of the game. When he plays on the drive like he did tonight, he is absolutely ready to be the second best player on a championship team. If, if all the other features are locked in and ready, you know, if, if everything else is complimentary. Uh, I think the driving hasn't always been there, so, so it's up and down. 
Tonight shows really that peak of how phenomenal he can be, though, at dom- at controlling the entire court. Yeah, I think, I'm, well, I'm not going to give an answer because Phoenix didn't ask me, but I do think he can be if the third, fourth, and fifth guys are, like, very narrowly in contention. And I think that's what this team is going to be at its ultimate, which is Freddie will be the second best player on the team because he's our best player point of attack defender maybe OG is but but he's up there uh he's one of our best defenders he's our best shooter and so I think you know ultimately he like you said when he is at his best affecting defenses at all three levels like he is our second best player but I think Scotty and OG are going to be right narrowly there um Oh, uh, a follow-up to the second question. Do better question is: Do you think Pascal can make a Paul George Butler level leap into a number one on a contender? I mean, Pascal is already better than than Paul George and Jim Butler, is he not? Good question. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Like I. I don't, it's it's a little too early for me to actually say that he's better than both of those players. Like Jimmy, especially Jimmy has like 10 years under his belt now, at, or like five or six of being like a top, top, top player. Pascal's like, you know, here and there. Um, Seven games. Yeah. And then in the, the odd couple of games, or and then chunks of the other uh, last couple of seasons. But I I'm not I wouldn't say he's better than them yet. I don't I don't I'm I'm not I'm I want to see in the playoffs Pascal do what he's doing right now. I guess that's what it is because I know Pascal or I know Paul George and Jimmy can do those things in like high high intensity environments. I love to hear you say that because I'm I'm a huge fan of of Jimmy of uh well of course Butler but but Paul George uh, I hate the playoff P narrative. He is so freaking good. Um, but to me, Pascal Siakam right now, because the question is not really about those two players. It's about the general tier of those players. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think Pascal Siakam is absolutely at that level. He is able to control every possession. He's able to create advantages just by being on the court. And that's what the best player is, right? It's someone who, who isn't just efficient in Pascal's efficiency. It's someone who isn't just able to score from, you know, wherever he is on the court, who can't just bail out possessions. It's someone who creates or converts advantages no matter what. You can give Pascal the ball with six seconds on the shot clock, two guys guarding him, and he's outside the arc, no paint touch. And you can still guess, yeah, they're probably going to get a pretty good look out of this. Right? That's that tier of player. And Pascal is just... He has reached that tier of stardom where it's replicable night in and night out. He just knows if I take two dribbles left, I know what the defense is going to do. If I spin, I know what the weak side defense is going to do, right? If I cut, I know what the strong side defense is going to do behind me. He just, he is aware of the impact of every motion because the skills have been, we have seen the skills, Right. It, it's that knowledge of replicability, sustainability. And that's what makes Paul George, Jimmy Butler especially. Jimmy Butler does not change. Night in, night out, he is exactly the same. The man is math defeating you on the court. And Pascal has reached that level. 
I agree with you. I think he has reached that level. And I'm just saying, like, you know, long-term like, remains to be seen in other environments. But he actually, him and Jimmy are similar in that sense, that, like, it's their footwork. It's their, like, drawing players in and then countering and then countering again and just, like, making fools out of people. And it is the first time uh, in the playoffs last year to some degree and then especially this year where, like, I'm like, okay, baby, cook. You know, it's not like, it, it, I'm not like, Mm, this time again, Pascal, you know, it's it's like every possession, I'm like, let's go, What what's going to happen? And so much of that has to do with his mid, mid-range being so tight, but then also his finish in and around the rim, like high level, and then also his passing. Like he is finding guys and in ways that he never has before and seeing the floor in ways he never has before. And then on top of that, which we talked about in the offseason, is his killer instinct. And, and that's another thing that suggests that he's in this upper echelon of superstar he is gonna go over and over and over and over again until you figure him out which no one has really yet it's really only his shooting that has prevented him from having 25 plus point games you want guys who are dicks you want people like the best players don't just want to beat their opponents they want to humiliate them And, and a really indicative moment of superstars is what happens when they get the ball with two minutes left in the game, or let's say, you know, 45 seconds left in the game and they're up nine. Scotty is going to go dunk. Pascal is going to go dunk. And then they're going to laugh in your face. And for so long, the Raptors got dunked on and got laughed at when they were down nine with 45 seconds left in the game. And now the Raptors are surrounded by stars, populated by stars, who are just dicks to opponents. Scotty's signature move at this point in his career is the look back back dunk in transition. How cocky, how arrogant. And Pascal is cut from that same cloth. Because you talk about the killer instinct, it's not just wanting to win. It's wanting to be an absolute, can I swear? Yeah, please. It's wanting to be an absolute motherfucker about it. Zarar's gonna get mad at you, but but I think by now the people listening that listen that don't like swears have just petered off anyway. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. And it yeah, you wouldn't see it right. Like he kind of has. It doesn't come across that way necessarily. The same way Scotty does. Like Scotty's much more verbose and expressive and all those things. But yeah, Pascal's got it in him, and I and I love to see it. There's also um, maybe last point, but my brother and I were saying that. Um, there is an athleticism to this team, um, or no, I'm going to save that point for another time. I haven't fully, I haven't fully fleshed it out yet. Um, okay. Any any last points you want to bring up, Lou? No, this was fun. I think we got um, basically everything I wanted to out of this. Uh, we didn't mention we have we've talked all this about Pascal. Really nice to win a game, the first game without Pascal, huh? True that. True that. I also will highlight, and we talked about the or the the listeners were talking about this, but the rotations were kind of interesting. There was no Flynn yeah. or Banton today yeah. for the for the first time basically all year, um, and I wrote about it on Friday how I'm annoyed at how they have been how he has been playing their minutes, and frankly, I'd rather they both just sit if if it's if it's not going to be consistent. What, do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, I agree with you. I, I always I love your five things, man. You're such a good writer. But I completely agree with your point. 
Um, it, it's not a, uh, an advantageous way to use your players. And so if you're not going to empower them, I'd rather you play someone else who, who is able to be empowered. Uh, and Thad Young really took those minutes, Coloco took those minutes, and they were successful in them in a way that Banton and Malachi haven't been. Um, so I, li- I like the rotations tonight. Do, do you think moving forward, like we're going to get more DNPs from them? Probably, yeah. And or Downton, Downton coming up after a couple of good nine hundred five games, or probably. Oh, or do you so. think we moved on from guards? Do you like? Do you think? Do you think that's what it is? That's what I kind of wonder when I was writing. I'm like, maybe this is just the slow ending, like death of backup guards for the Toronto Raptors. Well, I mean, you give them Monty Morris or something, and they're going to be playing some backup guards. Uh, so I think you know, depending on how the team changes, yes. Um, for right now, this is probably um, the slow death of the backup guards. Actually, I think Tomo said this perfectly right here. Uh, the team looks best when they play their best players. Simple. And right now, Thad Young, Christian Coloco, Otto Porter, these guys have been better than, than Banton and Malachi. Full stop. That's really yep. all it is. It's too bad because I really just feel like Flynn's like so close to being there. But it just might not ever happen. Uh, I think he's an NBA player, just on the wrong team. Yeah, I think that's that seems to be common uh, consensus from the Raptors management. Well, uh, thanks everybody for joining us. Um, You're right; it's nice to have a first W um, with Pascal Siakam gone. They're going to Chicago tomorrow. I thought we were getting rid of like these flying back and forths across the country for no real reason, but apparently not. (laughs) Yeah, the, the, the head-to-head, why make them in different cities? Who the hell knows? Yeah, climate change people, come on. Um, Lou, it's always an honor. Thank you for joining us. Otherwise, it would have have to have been myself monologuing for an hour, and no one wants that, so I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, man. Uh, okay. Thank you all so much, and thank you, dude. I love talking to you. Yes, sir. Maybe we'll see you tomorrow. Maybe, maybe. All right, peace out, everybody.